today we're diving into a message, not a series, but just a message that I've entitled Gray Areas. Gray Areas. How do we follow Jesus when things are not exactly black and white? A bunch of years ago, I'm thankful that this story was a bunch of years ago. Children were little. We wanted to go to Disneyland. We weren't living in this area. It was going to be a big trip. It was going to be, I mean, let's listen. You start talking Disney, and you're talking about taking it alone, right? And uh, it's like, oh, my goodness. So someone who I know very closely, and he may be watching online right now, he, we were talking. He's like, hey, I found this thing where, like, you can actually go to these, like, people outside of Disney, and, and what they've kind of figured out how to do is that when someone buys like a multi-day pass, but they can't use all of it, this like, these other little companies will like pick that up, and then you can use the remaining days on their passes. And it's like, and save money? Yeah, no, it's like he had done it, and it was like, oh, okay. So I kind of look into this, and, and I made some connection with someone who said, oh, yeah, we got, we got tickets for you that day to show up, and... And so here we are down in Anaheim and, you know, we're ready to go spend the day at Disney, Disneyland uh, with, with the family. It's going to be great. And first of all, I realized something's a little weird because it was like a home. It wasn't like an office. It wasn't a business. It was like someone's home. And they said, come in the garage. All right. Go in the garage. Family's in the car. You know, I'm just hanging out in the garage. And they've got this table and they've got these stacks of stick, tickets. And what I realized is that they're like erasing people's names that had like had to sign on the back of these tickets and like my brain is spinning and I'm like this feels a little weird this feels a little funky and because I because like I'm doing the mental gymnastics even like in the split second I'm like I'm like okay wait a second Disney sold these tickets anticipating that they would be used x amount of days so I don't feel like I'm actually like robbing from Disney if I were to accept these tickets because, you know, and so I'm justifying, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm playing all these scenarios like, no, Disney's already got their money for this. And yet, this feels like there's a violation going on right here. And so in that, I'm like, what, I was in a gray area. Because I, I didn't feel like I was like walking down Main Street USA like, shoplifting, like t-shirts, you know, like shoving them into my coat, like I'm stealing from Disney, and yet something didn't quite feel right. And so, in that moment, I chose to take the tickets. <laughs> take the tickets and run. And hope this all was gonna work out. <clears throat> well, it kind of worked out. First child goes in the park, fine, no problem. Second child goes in, third child goes in. My wife, Kelly, goes in the park. Pastor Tim <clears throat> tries to use that ticket. And they say, hey, there's a problem with your ticket. <laughs> so I was thrown into Mickey jail. <laughs> Wasn't Raider jail, but no, I really wasn't thrown into Mickey Jail. I really wasn't. But I had to go and buy another real ticket. I was like, ah, oh, and I felt terrible. I mean, I felt mortified. I felt gross. Because I knew 
that in that moment, even though that I was not like literally stealing, I, I felt in my spirit that I had chosen wrongly. That something in my spirit got violated that day, that when I walked out with those tickets, I should have just said, you know what, we're just going to pay full price, thank you, and walked out. But I didn't. I went into the gray area. As someone who, like, has dedicated their life to following Jesus, like many of us have, but yet I violated something, and I knew that that was, like, damaging to my soul, potentially my reputation, and maybe I would have thrown, get, gone thrown into Mickey's jail. I don't know, but God protected me in that and taught me a lesson in there about gray zones. Often things are black and white as we're following Jesus. Bless the Lord for that. Some things are right, some things are wrong. And we learn those in Scripture. And thank God for God's Word, particularly, church, in the New Testament. As we read in the New Testament, things become very clear of things that are in God's will for our lives or outside of God's will for our lives. There's a lot of things that are talked about that are clearly in or out. I call this idea the circle of God's will. The circle of God's will. Where he shows us clearly things that are inside his will for the lives of those who, of us who are following and those things that are out. In fact, if you've ever met with me, like, Pastor Jim, I want to talk, and, you know, I'm making some decisions. Many of us have had conversations where I've gra grabbed my little yellow pad and drawn a circle and said, let's talk about the circle of God's will. And sometime we might do a whole series on that because I think it might, could be insightful, but we're just going to talk about one part of that today. So if you want to know what's not in God's will, read the New Testament. And like you get to passages, in fact, in our 260 reading plan just some weeks ago, we were in Ephesians. And Ephesians chapter 4 and 5, and you can put the slide up here, just in this one short passage of a handful of verses, we see things like this. Stop lying. Don't lie. It's outside of God's will. It's like, don't be a liar. Don't sin in your anger. Quit stealing. Even those fakey tickets. Don't use foul language. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all, all types of evil behavior. That encompasses a lot right there. No sexual immorality. No impurity or greed. No obscene stories, foolish talk, or coarse jokes. All of these things are on the outside of God's will for us as we are following after him. And you're just like, well, you know, maybe there's a little bit of gray area in some of those. And it's like, he, I think Paul knew we were gonna say, are those gray areas, Lord? You know, every coarse joke, are those really off limits for those who are trying to follow you? And it's like, Paul is like knowing, anticipating that like we're gonna be asking a question. Are these things like gray area issues? So, so we get to the very next verse in Ephesians 5, 6, and he says this, don't be fooled. Now, are you a fool? I don't want to be nobody fool, right? Don't be fooled, Paul says, by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all, all, like you and me, 
who disobey him. It's like there's this exclamation point that there really are clear boundary issues. And the boundary is God's word. And if he says don't do these things, it's because we can trust God that he loves us and that those things outside of his will are like going to be destructive in our lives and in our stories and for those who we are influencing. It's going to hurt a lot of people if we slip into these things. But here's the good news. And here's where the hope is. As we continue reading his word, he tells us a whole lot of things that are in the circle of God's will for our lives. And just like a verse and two down, in Ephesians 5, 8, and 9, he says this. He says, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. Isn't that a beautiful picture? It's like, it's like you used to be living out in the darkness. You, that, all that stuff that's outside of my will, that like made up your life. I was a liar, I was a cheat, I was a thief. I was messing around with people sexually in ways I shouldn't have been. He's like, you know, that was all the stuff outside there in darkness. But guess what? Then he goes on and says, you have light from the Lord. You've been invited in to his will. So live as people of light for this light within you produces, and I love this, only what is good and right and true. Put up that next slide, that little picture right there. And this is what he's telling us about the circle of God's will. There's a lot of stuff that's darkness that's out there, things we've left behind, things that are very clear, boundary issues that we are not to participate in, but he invites us into his beautiful, loving, gracious will, and where we're gonna find things that are good, right, and true. Now listen, there are very clear things, as we've just seen, that are inside and outside God's will. Very clear boundary issues. That is not what we are talking about today. <laughs> we are not talking about the kinds of things that we just read about that are these like, uh, you know, like, don't lie, be good, be true, we are not talking about those very clear-cut boundary issues. What we're going to be talking about today is the, are the gray areas. Those places that we kind of stumble into, like I did that day on my way to Disneyland that I had no idea. I wasn't going to, to rob anybody. I didn't have theft in my heart, right? No deception. I wasn't. But I walked into something that was like not super clear-cut for me in the moment. It was a gray area. And today we're going to be talking about these gray areas when things are not black and white, but that we have to make a decision. We're gonna go to the left or we're gonna go to the right on this. And we're not quite sure. Is this God's will for me or is it not? Which way do we turn? Now listen, here's an example that I think we can all relate to because we've seen this happen over, especially over the past couple of years, very relevant. I think the area of vaccinations for many people have been a gray area. See, a gray area is when good people, even people who are Jesus followers, have differing opinions. Different people with different opinions on something of like, oh, that's okay, no, it's not okay. Hey, that's something that we saw hugely, not just in the world in general, but in the body of Christ, right? We saw a lot of people 
with differing opinions. Some people like, no way. Vaccines are like evil, don't do it, they're terrible. And they love God. And then you've got other people who love God just as much who are like, no, these are helpful. These are good. In fact, we think everybody should have them. And it's like, whoa, gray area. How do I follow Jesus in this? How do I respond to him and follow after Jesus and not just follow after something that I read on Facebook or someone's opinion? How do I follow after Jesus even when things may be somewhat gray? But there's a lot of gray areas in our lives that we face. What media do we allow into our ears, into our hearts, into our minds, into our homes, right? What movies do I watch? What do I stream on Netflix? What music do I listen to? Well, it's got a good beat. Okay. What's the message is like being repeated into your soul? You know, it's like all these sort of things, the magazines we pick up and, and read, all, all of those kinds of things that we take in can be gray areas. But I like the art. I like the artistry of it. Yeah, but, you know, what about the naked bodies and, you know, the, the foul stuff, you know? What, what, what about playing video games that are very violent? Why, you know, but hey, but my friends are doing this. It's like there's, there's fellowship, there's camaraderie. Gray area. It's a gray area. What do we choose to drink with dinner today? Could that be a gray area for some people? Yeah, different opinions. Is there, when we see an injustice in the world, is there a right way, a righteous way to follow Jesus but still really call out that injustice and actually be people of protest about things that are unjust in the world? That can be a gray area. Some people would say, hey, that's totally wrong the way that, that those people would protest and, and other people go, no, those are completely appropriate. What do we post on social media? Oh, should I post that picture? Should I post that thought? Does everything that, I run, that runs through my mind need to go out on social media? It's like those can be really gray areas. So today we're gonna be turning to Romans chapter 14. We're just gonna be looking just in this one chapter because Romans 14, which by the way, if you're in our 260 reading plan, which we encourage everyone who's part of our church family to like pick up the 260 reading plan and just read one chapter from the New Testament each day, Monday through Friday. We just read this just in the past days. And chapter 14 completely talks about this area of gray areas. Completely talks about this. It's all that the chapter deals with. Now, what you're gonna see as, as we're going through this, and for the purposes of teaching, I'm gonna jump around a little bit through the chapter. You know, usually it's kinda like we just read one, two, three, four, five, and just sequentially go straight through the chapter. I'm not gonna do that today. I'm gonna jump around a bit in, in Romans 14. Here's why. Because Paul, when he wrote it, jumped around a whole lot. And he had different streams of thought that are running kind of like, in this like ball of twine through Romans 14. So what I'm doing to help just teach this is I'm taking four lessons that Paul was getting after and I'm gonna group them together so that I believe that it'll be helpful for us to entertain in our minds and our spirits. You ready? Four lessons from Romans 14. The first lesson is this, acceptance over rejection. Acceptance over rejection. 
Now, these first verses are in sequence. It's verse 1, 2, and 3 of Romans 14. You can follow along. Paul writes and he says this, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. Hmm, underline that little phrase, disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted them. Whoa, fascinating. Right here in verse 1 of Romans 14, Paul starts talking about these gray areas. He refers to them as what? Disputable matters. Things where people of faith have different opinions about what would be appropriate in this given situation. Different people with different opinions. It's a disputable matter. Now, in chapter 14, if you read through the whole thing, the main example that Paul uses here is the example of food. Why, why would he have done that in his context? It's because of this. In their culture in this day, meat, much of it had been offered to idols. You know, like demonic stuff. And Paul writes about this also in 1 Corinthians. You can see this like in chapter 8 and chapter 10. He talks about this thing about meat being offered to idols. So it was a thing in their day and culture. And so what we find out is that some people thought, oh my gosh, this has been offered to a demon. I cannot eat this. They did not have faith that allowed them to do that. And other people, you know, like Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians, is like, there's really no other God than our God anyway. Demons are like nothing. So it's like, don't worry about it. But you know what? That unsettles some people. And he calls them people with weaker faith. This is not about like strong people can do anything that they want to do. This is about people having different opinions. Maybe you've walked into a restaurant and seen like this giant Buddha, you know, in the lobby. Have you ever seen one of those? Like, if you go into some restaurants, that giant's like, am I supposed to rub its belly? I don't know. What, what is culturally appropriate in this moment? Listen, some believers walk into that kind of restaurant and they start feeling spiritually uncomfortable. Like, I, I don't know if this is like where I want to be eating my meal today. That would be maybe a contemporary example, but they, this was like an issue in the church that Paul was talking about. There was some people and they were starting to be at odds with one another. Now listen, let's all recognize it would have been very easy for God to take away all the gray areas. He could have just taken all the gray areas away. How, does, how would he do that? Well, he could just put more words in the text. Don't do this, do this. Don't do this, do this. God did not do that. Even it would have been super easy for him to just inspire biblical authors to, let's add a few more chapters, clear up a whole lot of stuff. I believe that God allowed for gray areas to be in our lives because it is one of the best ways for us to mature. 
To grow to be more and more like Jesus, we have to walk through and process some of these gray areas. And it would also be easy, way too easy, for us to just pick a side. What do you mean some people won't eat meat? Who cares? There's no God but our God anyway, who cares? But what does Paul say? Hey, if you've got that attitude, you are looking with contempt on those right? Or we could pick the other side and say, hey, we should always just side with those who like, they don't have the faith to do this. So we need to just like jump to that side and say, no one's going to eat meat. But you know what Paul says to those over here? Don't be judgy. Do not be judgy. Don't slip into the judgy zone in the gray zone. Like we are judging and pointing a finger and saying, those people those people took the vaccine. Don't you know what that means? Is oh, come on. He says, don't look with contempt and don't be judgy. He says, don't quarrel. Do not fight. And notice, and can you put the scripture back up there for us real quick? Check out what he says. At the very end, it says, for God has accepted them. And then look at how the scripture begins. We should accept. We are called right here to this radical form of acceptance. And can I tell you, this has such profound impact for our day and culture in which we live, where there are people that are just going to these polar opposite places and picking up arguments and beating them over the head with it, even within the church of Jesus Christ where there's this cancel culture. They're like, you believe that? I can't be your friend. You, you think that's okay? Yeah, not for me, bro, out of my house. What does Paul say here? He says that we are to accept the other instead of reject the other. This word acceptance, it's a beautiful word. It actually means to welcome. What? Instead of rejecting, we're to actually welcome in people who have different opinions than we do. Make friends with people who think about life differently than we do. Whoa. That is a major, major concept. Rather than turning this into a fight, we're to turn this into an opportunity to actually build friendship with diverse people in the body of Christ. It sounds so simple. Oh, but it's becoming increasingly difficult in the age in which we live. When we walk into a gray zone, the first thing that Paul addresses is, hey, we're going to have to learn to accept one another and not reject one another. That is a maturity lesson. Think about that. Second lesson is faith over doubt. Faith over doubt. And he kind of gets into the technical aspects here of like kind of what makes a gray area a gray area and why some people may, uh, you know, put their faith in something and uh, that allows them to do something and others not. 
In verse 14 and 21, this is what he says. He says, I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus. Now, I love that phrase. He's like, I brought this matter to Jesus. He and I, we have prayed. We have talked. We have conversed about this. And he says, I have come to a place of being convinced, being fully persuaded in Jesus, not in Facebook, right? Not, on, not in Fox News, not in CNN, not in MSNBC, in Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. He says, I have been fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. Okay? But, circle that word, but, if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is. In their spirit, as they've processed something with Jesus, if they come to a different conclusion than me in a gray area, and remember, we're not talking about things that we're clearly told are out of bounds. Those things are out of bounds for, for all of those who would fall after Jesus. But in these gray areas, some people have the grace for it, others don't. In Jesus. And then he goes on in verse 21, whoever has doubts, is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. So that thing that could be okay for one person to participate in and do, check it out. For other people, it is outside the circle of God's will for them. God has not led them to a place of grace or faith to believe for that, you know, being okay for them. Wow. And I love the way that this passage ends when he says, everything that does not come from faith is sin. In other words, every decision that we make needs to honestly be evaluated on whether or not this would please Jesus. And we could go deeper in and look at some other verses here, but he gets after the thi two things specifically. Does this bring honor to the Lord? Will this increase, will this decision, will this increase or decrease the way that I'm able to honor Jesus? And he also talks about thankfulness. Will this decision, will this increase or decrease my ability to stand up and thank God? for who he is in my life and for all that he's given me. Honor and thanks, I think, are very much rooted in this idea that he is talking about in the gray areas. Should I have a glass of wine or a pint of beer with dinner today, fathers? Some would say, absolutely, go for it. Man, those are God's gifts, right? It's like, don't take my michelada, you know, Pastor Tim. Please, love me my michelada. And it's like, we could, say, we could see that, that a gray area. You know, scripture is very clear. Don't get drunk. Bible does not say, do not drink anything that contains a speck of alcohol in it. The Bible says, very, very clear. Boundary issue. Drunkenness is the issue, not alcohol. However... Some people do not have 
a faith that graces them with the ability to have alcohol in them for whatever reason. And don't be judgy and don't be condemning, right? You don't know their story. You don't know the alcoholic that was involved in their life. You don't know the abuse that they suffered. You don't know the addictions that they've battled. And God says, hey, for you, no, no, no. And for someone else, it's like there's freedom in that area. We have to be very careful. And I think two of the things we need to be careful about, and you just think about that ice cold mitralada, right? <laughs> what we need to think about is we do not want to be pressured into, drink, into drinking something make, or just making a decision, a gray area. Don't be pressured into it. Well, what's everybody else doing? Everybody else drinking one. Ah, this is between you and Jesus, friend. This is about your faith, not theirs. Don't be pressured and don't be led by your pleasure. I like how it tastes. I like the beat to that song. You know, this feels good. Don't be led by either pressure or pleasure. Paul is saying right here and hitting it pretty hard, right? Be led by your faith in Jesus. Have you processed this with him? Will your decision please Jesus? Then go for it. Do not doubt because, man, if you got doubts about this, like, well, I'm really not sure. Listen, there's a musical idea. If you've ever been in a band and, like, you know, you're playing and, you're, you know, you're not exactly sure of the chord progression, here's the phrase. When in doubt, stay out. <laughs> you're going to mess up the whole vibe if, like, ring, oh. Everybody else is playing in a different key. If you don't know, don't go, Right? When in doubt, stay out. And that's what Paul is saying. If you have doubt that like this is really what is gonna please Jesus here, then just pass that time and take it back to prayer because those things are gonna circle back around in the future. You'll have other decisions to make. But when in doubt, stay out and say, Jesus, I'd rather please you than please myself, right? Third lesson, love over self. Third lesson from Romans 14, when we come into a gray area, is love over self. Three verses here, 15, 20, and 21. And he says this, if your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, and remember, eating is just an illustrative for all of these kinds of gray area decisions that we have to find ourselves in. So if your decision distresses a brother or sister, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, do not by your decision, destroy someone for who Christ died. Then he goes on in verse 20. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better to not eat meat or drink wine or do, everybody say it, anything. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. 
But here's what he's getting after. Think about that circle of God's will again. It's like, okay, all right, circle of God's will. I'm going to do things that I've processed with Jesus, you know. And then when I'm in that circle, I can, like, make choices for me, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, you can. A lot of room to run around in that circle. Man, it's a big world. It's diverse. It's wonderful. But here's the problem, friends. We can tend to think of that circle of God's will as like a me island, right? The me island. Like all of these things that I'm making decisions about, these are right for me. Because I process it with Jesus and he's given me the grace to do these things. So back off, everybody. I'm going to make my own choices. And Paul says, not so fast. That's one way that we process things in the gray er these gray areas. But how do your decisions impact someone else? The first, we process with Jesus. But then we have to look around the room and realize who else is being impacted by the decision that I'm making. I'm not living on a me island. This is the we island. Like all of us together are in this circle of God's will. It's not just me. Is my little circle? No, this is all of us who are following after Jesus together. We're all in this together, so how do my decisions impact yours? Like if you'd seen me walk in with these fakey tickets, right, to Disney, how might that have said, oh, okay, well, Pastor Tim's doing that. I guess it's okay to just do that. Our decisions impact each other. Listen, you've heard me tell this story before if you've hung out, and you'll hear it again because it was very meaningful to me in my own development. But my dad liked wine. He enjoyed it. He hated beer, loved wine, would love to have a glass of wine with dinner. But when I was young, just toddler age, sitting on my dad's lap, and he's enjoying a glass of wine, and, and he, he watches me on his lap like I'm taking that glass, and I want some of what he's drinking. And my dad saw something there in the moment that he realized was a gray area. Does he have the right to enjoy a glass of wine with his meal? Absolutely. But he saw something there and he made a decision right then and there that, you know what? I don't need it that much. I love my son more than I love myself and having my own way here. Now, I'm not saying for every home, you have to follow how God led my dad, but it was a powerful illustration. I just didn't grow up with alcohol in my home. It wasn't because alcohol was a sin. It was because my dad had made a decision that I don't want to introduce something to my child that I don't know their disposition. How is my child prone to addictive behaviors? And I'm not going to be able to watch them all the time or that sort of thing. And so my dad made a decision that I am very thankful for to this day. Not because it's a rule. Not because we're judgy or condemning people that have other, come to other conclusions. But my dad did, and I know that it was based on this concept, that his love for me was greater than his love for himself in that moment. And that's big. But friends, we know that this is bigger than just a family issue. It does often appear in families. Parents, what we allow in will have influence in our kids' lives. We're the gatekeepers in our homes. So what we allow in 
whether it's through media, whether it's through things we consume in our bodies, whether it's through you know, the music, all the kind of stuff. We're gatekeepers there. What are we doing out of love for our children that says, you know what? That for us, for our family, that's just not the way we live. These are not the things that we're going to allow in. So it is a big family issue, but it's more than a family issue because what Paul's talking about even here is like other people in our surrounding. In this room and in the courtyard and online, we have people who have walked with Jesus a long, long time. We might even say that in Paul's language, these are people of really strong faith. You know, you've weathered many battles, you've proven faithful, you know how to kick the enemy's butt out of your home and your environment. And so it's like, man, you're strong. You, there's probably more grace for you to maybe do some things that other people can't, but there's others. We should always be an incubator where there's like a whole bunch of little hatchling Christians, little new Jesus followers, and they're looking at you. They're looking at me, the decisions that we make. Like, hey, is this okay? Like, we need to be very, very careful and, and point out one last thing. Put this scripture back up, if you would. I want you to note something. Twice he uses the word destroy. He says, do not by your eating destroy someone for who Christ died. And then he picks up on that same theme down towards the end where he says, and I'm trying to find it here on the screen. Oh, right, right, at the very beginning of the next verse. Do not destroy the work of God. I'm telling you something. God is giving you an amazing power. Your decisions have the power to destroy other people and even destroy the work that he is about doing. I mean, that should make us sit up pretty straight when we realize that God has given you the authority and the power, the power to destroy. And he's saying, don't do it. Love has got to be greater than ourselves when it comes to these gray area moments. Love got to win. And here's the, here's the last lesson that he teaches us out of Romans chapter 14. It's verse 17 through 19. And this is what it's all about. This is about building over destroying. Building over destroying. And this is what Paul writes in Romans 14, 17 through 19. He says this. He says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and what? Building each other up. He says that God's will, think about like the circle of God's will. He says, yes, you're free to like run around and make decisions in there, right? You're free to do that. But the kingdom of God is not just about you having free reign to make whatever decision that you want to make. It's about righteousness, peace, and joy, he said. I like those words. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Because we are called to make right decisions in Jesus that are gonna do what? Lead to peace. Remember, don't quarrel, don't fight, he said at the beginning. Don't, don't fight. 
Now, <clears throat> make decisions that are righteous, that are right, because you've processed those with the Lord. And this is going to lead to peace and to joy. And I, and I love this. And he says, this is how you serve the Lord, guys. You want to grow in maturity? Make decisions, even in the gray areas, that are right, processed with the Lord. These are going to bring peace and joy. This is how you serve me. And, and then he says this. Anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God. I, we're told here how to please God. Isn't that awesome? Because I think a lot of us have that question, God, how do I please you? I don't know. Are my decisions pleasing to you? And he says, when you make decisions this way, even when they're hard and when there's tension and when it's kind of gray, when you make decisions based on this, you are pleasing God. And bonus, other people are going to dig you too. Why are they going to dig me? Because they're going to see that you are operating in love. You care about them more than you even care about yourself. You care about Jesus more about yourself. And people are gonna see that and go, you know what, I can follow that person. I respect them, I honor them. Dads, you wanna have the approval of your kids? Live this way. And when, when we get it wrong, we stray into gray areas like I did that day long ago, then repent of those things and say, you know what? Dad wasn't making a righteous decision. I was thinking more about myself. I was thinking more about my wallet. I was a little embarrassed in front of this person like to back out at the last moment rather than following Jesus. That didn't lead to peace. Way not peace in my heart. and Stole a lot of joy from that day for me. Serve the Lord this way. And here's the goal. Build each other up. You know, we were just told in that last section there, that we have the power to destroy by our decisions. But here's what Jesus is reminding us of today. Our decisions don't just have the power to destroy, they have the power to build up. They have the power to make others strong. That when I make righteous decisions in the Lord, that we are, I, I have the power, I have the power to build someone up, to encourage them, to increase their faith that next measure. I'm so glad that God's given us not just the power to destroy, but the power to build up. And that's what we're given in Romans 14. We're to accept, not reject. We're to love the other person. We're to walk in faith. We're to build each other up. God help us. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you did not simply write long lists in your word to tell us everything that we can and cannot do. But God, you gave us these disputable matters, things we're gonna have different opinions on, things that we're gonna have to wrestle through. Because Lord, as we wrestle through them, this gives us opportunity to grow and mature, to become more like you, and to ultimately to be a blessing in the lives of those around us. Because we get to build them up. So Jesus, thank you, Lord, that you've given us the power, Lord, to wade into these waters and to learn to please you more than we please ourselves. 
And Jesus, much grace on each one of us as we pursue you. Much grace. Because Lord, we're not gonna always get it right. We're gonna walk through things and sometimes really screw things up. And Lord, you forgive and you give grace and we're grateful. You are awesome and you are a good dad who doesn't beat us up when we get things wrong. And Lord, in your grace, heal those things that we've gotten wrong in our past that may have left scars on others. In Jesus' name. And friends, right at the beginning of Romans 14, you can look up here. I, I just wanna close with this. It says that God has accepted them. No matter where you are on your journey of faith, maybe you're a person of great faith, of strong faith, or maybe you haven't even entered that circle yet of like saying, no, I want, I want to make God's will my pursuit. You know what? He accepts you. Right where you are today, he loves you. He has grace and mercy for you. His favor is on you. And if you've ever been told anything different, that God's angry at you, he's bitter, he's judgy, he's mean-spirited, is coming after you, can I just burst that bubble and say, you were lied to. Because that's not what God's word tells us. You are loved, you are accepted by him. Now listen, the beautiful thing is that we get to love and accept him back. Happy Father's Day. Church, you're loved. Love ya. Happy Father's Day.